Welcome to Graduating Grief, a podcast designed to help you step back into living your life with joy after loss. If you're ready to move from surviving to thriving, you've come to the right place. Here's your host and inspirationista, Sherry Dunlevy. Grief is coming, so we better prepare for it. I love this, and that's why I'm so excited to talk to our guest today, Yvonne Heath. She wrote this amazing book called Love Your Life to Death. It is a book that I believe everybody should be reading because at least read about it since no one wants to talk about it. Yvonne, thank you very much for joining me today. Sherry, I am absolutely so honored to be here with you today. I'm thrilled. So I love what, I love what you said. Um, you know, grief is coming. So we need, we need to start talking about it. And it, death, like I feel like people literally put their hands in their ears and they go, la, 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 la. I don't want to talk about it. It's too uncomfortable. This is freaky. This is creepy. This is freaking me out. And then it happens to them and they wonder why they can't handle it. Oh my goodness. I just, I, I just love, I just have to sit here in this because I'm so grateful for you to be a voice for change as well, because truly creating social change, cultural change in our death phobic society requires many perspectives, many voices, and we all need to start talking talking sooner, talking often, and throughout life, throughout our lives. This is not a one-time conversation. That's it. How did you come to having these discussions and to this realization that this is something that not only are we insufficient at doing, but something that we must do if we want to live vibrant, happy lives? Oh, how did I get here? Um, how about decades of excessive suffering? <laughs> That's how I got here because I was a nurse for 27 years. And of course, accompanying people in the deepest trenches of grief and realizing that professionals are ill-prepared for grief personally and professionally. So as many of us, it was kind of, wow, that was a challenging, that was, that was really hard. Are you okay? Are you okay? You know, the polite conversation. Oh yeah, uh, I'm going to be okay. And then we did it again the next day. And these, these traumas, this tremendous grief sort of chipped away at my soul over years. I could no longer ignore it when it was uh, 11 years ago, our 16 year old son went down a very dangerous road of drugs and addiction as grief appeared in his life. And he, as many of us numbed it, right? Mm -hmm. He numbed it. He didn't know what to do with it. I didn't really know how to guide him. Well, you can't teach what you don't know. And, and his life started to spiral out of control. And in that moment, I sat back. I was a chemotherapy nurse at the time. I worked in chemotherapy for 15 years. I've worked in every department in the U S and Canada, but in the chemotherapy clinic is where I truly, my heart, I, I was like just heartbroken so much of the time. And then I had grief in my personal life. Now my son, thank goodness, he, we just showed up for him. He learned how to just show up for himself. He is doing better. He's had a lot of friends die around him, hmm. right? So this is how close we were. But in that moment, I, I stepped back and I said, I don't think I could would live through a traumatic ending here. 
we now had toddlers who were, you know, we had twins who were toddlers. I didn't know what to do. So it was either fall apart or do something different. And that hot, awful, hard, challenging, heart-wrenching time in my life was a catapult to creating something different. And what is that something different? That something different was stepping back and saying, okay, so two things happened in that time. I was suffering so much and a lot of the times pretending I was fine. I was going to work and pretending I was fine. The other piece of it that was very, the huge aha moment was people were avoiding me. There were a few friends and family members that I was able to have real conversations. And I know you've experienced this, Sherry. Right. People were avoiding me. You want people to avoid you? Have a child who has a drug addiction and, you know, trouble with the law. And, and people avoided me. People avoided talking to me when I had a miscarriage, when I was divorced and all of these things. So I stepped back. I worked in healthcare, And no one would have the talk with me about my challenging you know, whatever challenges I was going through. So I stepped back and I just started to say, as I shared in my TED talk, I said, like looking at social workers and doctors and nurses, I said, are we well prepared for grief personally and professionally? And I was like, oh no, we're terrible at it. <laughs> and, and so I said, well, who is teaching professionals and community members to prepare for grief before it arrives? and how to navigate through. I mean, if you're not, you know, I feel like we have forgotten grievers in our community, all kinds of forgotten grievers. Who is supporting them? And everyone's kind of like, you know, I don't know, Yvonne, nobody, go do your job. Like, (laughs) go start that IV. Let's, Let's not have this awkward conversation. And the truth is, is that anything in life that we want to get better at, you know, we want to we want to play basketball. We want to, anything that we want to do, we have to practice. Yes. We have to practice and we avoid grief. And when I started, I started having conversations in the community, what I heard more than anything, and I've said it, and I'm sure you have too, when it comes to grief, somebody suffering, life's challenges, a trauma, what I heard more than ever, anything else. I don't know what to do and I don't know what to say. So we avoid because we're afraid to do or say the wrong thing and we don't feel qualified. Ah. <laughs> well, that's exactly why I wrote my book, right? Oh, because yeah. it was like, okay, now you don't have an excuse. <laughs> now you don't yes. have an excuse. Yes, absolutely. But you know, here's the thing because we don't develop like my whole thing is create a soft landing for yourself coping skills a foundation what do you believe about life and death what does grief mean when do we grieve how do we grieve imagine if we all took the time to talk about grief before it arrived read books like your beautiful book how can i help it was so why would we know how to do this? We don't talk about it. We wait. We are reactive, right? right? We wait till we're in a crisis, till someone dies, till someone's in jail, there's a divorce, die, and grief is experienced in all heartaches. But we wait till it happens and then we try to navigate through and we wonder why we don't know what to do or say. Right. So let's reframe that and learn from that and have these conversations before 
and that's what you and that's where your area of expertise is and that's what love your life to death is and it's about having these conversations first with yourself yes yes <laughs> right absolutely first with yourself mm -hmm. we're avoiding even having this conversation with ourselves and then having it with our loved ones including our children how many times do we protect our children from death and grief only that's that's the worst thing we could do if they're raised with it it just is a part of a natural part of life and that's how it used to be absolutely well and you know it's interesting because in my book one of my first chapters was like how did we get here right how did we get so death phobic and of course in our busy quick fix society we have sanitized our society we have funeral homes to deal with the body, the funeral, we have intensive cares where people die and, and only a few visitors can come. We have our elders no longer live among us. They, that, that was just the way it was before, multi-generational living in, in community and people lived at home, people died at home, everyone was a part of it. And, you know, it's a very ironic timing because uh, today's the day I'll, I'll post a blog, our, our, we do a weekly blog and our twins, Jaden and Tanner, our older son, when I was writing my book, he already lived in British Columbia, which he loved so much. Mm -hmm. But our twins were nine. And I said, they were kind of like an experiment for us because, I was, you know, these conversations we've had throughout throughout our lives before. But when I was interviewing people for the book and I heard some very hard stories, our kids were apart of every conversation. They have held their pets until their pet died, literally taking their last breath. We love them till the end of their life. Bawling and messy and hysterical. But this week, I, so our twins, Jane and Tanner, just turned 16. Do you know what our blog is today? Our blog is going to be about having the talk before um, they turned 16 and got their license. One of the first things they did was register online yes. as organ donors. I don't want to, I've been that nurse at the bedside having the talk about, okay, so your loved one is on a ventilator, they're brain dead. Have you ever considered organ donation? Talk about an excruciating right. conversation. Right. So I said to the kids, hey, we're going to blog about this. They're like, oh, come on, mom. I said, yeah, it's just, let, let's just talk about this. And they're 16. So right. it's kind of goofy. The point is. Right. They registered. I had them register. They've heard, they've met so many people that are living because of organ donation. And you and don't have to worry about that. Should that ever come up? You never have to have that part of suffering ever part of your grief ever. ever. And that's so when people say you can't prepare for grief, I say, well, I beg to differ because what I want to do is have the talk, advanced care planning, organ donation. What do I believe about life and death? How do I grieve? How can I help myself through grief? So that when I am grieving, I can get to grieving instead of trying to crack codes and have horrific conversations and, and mounds of paperwork. There'll be enough. There'll be enough of all of that. So to prepare is to have those coping skills and strategies. People don't even understand what grief is in which I say it is our mental, physical, and emotional reaction to loss, transitions, and change throughout life. 
Throughout life, life, right? Nobody's going to escape grief. And I mean, if you are a parent, you will grieve because eventually your children are going to leave the nest, we hope. (laughs) Yeah, please. (laughs) But that, I was just journaling this morning about that because I remember my, I revisited grief and I remember sitting in the parking lot the day we were taking my son to university and I kept thinking, I'm not done yet. I'm not done yet. I'm I'm not done yet. I'm not done being his mother day to day. I'm not done teaching him everything I want to teach him. And I looked back and said, how many days did I waste in the process of someday, someday, someday? Mm -hmm. And I'm thinking if that's not, if, if loss cannot teach you anything about life other than that is there is no someday and that it can be snatched away at any time. We are not in each other's lives forever. No. We do not all die of old age and we do not always get a warning. And I say, you know, we don't have to love that, but if we can accept it and prepare for it. And I literally, as you're talking about that, I'm realizing, so our older son is 11 years. There's a difference of 11 years. So I say, by the time the twins leave high school and yes, it'll be like, I love you very much. It's time to go. (laughs) I will, I will have had, we will have had children at home for 30 years. I don't, I don't remember life without children at home. So they're in grade 10 right now. Mm -hmm. I am already preparing myself for that time, knowing it will bring tremendous grief and tremendous joy because in every transition and in life, we can have grief and joy. They yes. can coexist. Yes. I'm already getting ready. Right. Because I know my heart will be broken and I will be celebrating. It's kind of, you know, I say grief and joy is a roller coaster and we have to learn how to hang on through the dips and curves. It's never all one or the other. No, it's not. And you have to be, you have to be okay with both. I recently, my lot, my recent loss was my dog. Yes. Oh my God. And it's huge. And I'm doing it so much differently and so much better this mm. time. Um, I'm honoring the feelings as they come. I'm not denying myself. I'm grieving from the tips of my toes and letting it come out. But at the same time, um, I'm so much healthier because I have been talking about this. And I said, there's a difference between not being okay right now and knowing that you will be. Oh my goodness. Right. It is so huge. right now I'm not okay, but I know I will be. I know that this uncomfortableness can't be tamped down, can't be put on the back burner. I'm bringing it up and I'm bringing it out and I'm going to feel this and experience this no matter how excruciating it is, no matter I'm facing it head on. And I, I'm so much further ahead of the game. It doesn't mean that I still don't cry and that things do not come up or waves come over you. Yeah. But I can truly say that not only can I have good days, I can have happy days. I can have joyous moments after losing something I lost so profoundly, right? Absolutely. If we talk about this, if we prepare ourselves if this becomes a natural part of life, it just makes us stronger and able to handle it oh. and, and say, let's take it head on and not care about 
if this makes anybody else. That's what I said. I don't care if this makes anybody else feel uncomfortable. Well, it is, but here's the thing that I say, they say, oh, what if I make them cry? So well, get them a tissue or cry together. What's, you know, allow your humanness. But it just, with, with talking about like our, our, I just showed up movement, right. teaching people of all ages, how to just show up for themselves and others. So they are empowered and resilient when grief arrives. I say, do not wait for it to be comfortable. It's <laughs> awkward. It's uncomfortable. Just show up anyway. Right. I don't know. We do not need a PhD to love and support. We do not need to have the answer. There is no answer. The answer is allowing your grief and your messiness. And to be human is messy sometimes. Grief is messy. And, you know, it is sometimes the price of living and loving. But it is worth it and our hearts will heal if we learn to take better care of ourselves and each other. Let's start back at that. Let's go back to that. So it has to start with ourselves. So how do we prepare ourselves? What are some steps that we can do to prepare ourselves so that the next time grief enters into our life, we can show up for it in a healthy manner, knowing oh. that it's going to suck right now, but it's going to be okay. I love this question because Yes, you're absolutely right, Sherry. Everything we are going through is temporary, right? Like that's the, to, to remind yourself continuously, the brokenness I feel, the excruciating pain is temporary. You will not feel like this forever. So if you can start with that, but when I, when I talk, like you said, let's build our foundation and let's start with the hardest stuff. Let's start that, that very bottom concrete. What do you believe about life and death? I think that is a wonderful place to start. What, what do you believe about life and death? And I hold on to, if I didn't have, if I didn't go and explore my beliefs about life and death, I wouldn't be able to just show up for others as I hear hard stories, like just so much grief mm -hmm. all the time. And so two things for me, what do I believe about life and death? I believe, or I accept that we're all here as long as we're here. It is not my job to judge it, to fix it, to we, right? Some people are here for five minutes. Some are here for five days, 50 years, a hundred years. If I get mired in why they died so young, why? Uh, if I do that, I will not be able to be a shining light in this world. So I accept that everyone has their journey and it's as long as it is. And right, I mean, it's, I, I can't, it is not my job to judge and to fix or to fix it, but we certainly can be the evidence that someone's life made a difference. And you are doing that with every, everything that you are bringing to the world. And I love you for that. So I started with that. And then of course, the nuts and bolts of that. Okay. So an advanced care plan, who, like, what do, you know, the whole will thing an advanced care plan, who would I, who would make decisions for me if I couldn't, of course, I'm a registered organ donor. And we've just normalized this, this conversation, this ongoing conversation. I have a, I have a, a, a letter, my kids have letters and it's, the, I hope that they have a hundred letters by the time I'm done. Cause I plan to be here for a really long time. But I, I write a letter and say, you know, <clears throat> this is what I would love as a celebration. I said, I want, don't, don't say just celebrate. I want everyone to cry their eyes out when I die because they're so sad because I'm so awesome. 
And I want them to laugh. And I want them to say how silly I was. Share great stories, laugh, cry, allow all feelings. And, you know, I just, and every year, my husband and I, Jordi and I, and my mom, we all have normalized this. Once you're tax time, we all review our end of life plan. We wow, just, that's every a great idea at tax time. Yep. So we're just, okay. So, oh yeah, I've written that. Oh, I don't want that anymore. Yeah. So if I die, I would like natural burial. It's not available here. So I'll get cremated, spread my ashes over here. Oh, wait a minute. Spread them over here. Like we've just normalized this. We have these ongoing conversations. So that, so you see like those, those foundational layers, right? Right. And then part of that was what does grief mean to me? What, what is grieving? And I, I understood grieving and how do I grieve? How do I grieve? Because there is no right or wrong way to grieve. Nope. Only what's right or wrong for you, unless, and I always say, unless you are hurting yourself or someone else, right. everything else is fair game. I know when I'm grieving, don't ask me to think, <laughs> I might get chest pain. I understand, right? Like it's so important to try to, wow, I could be grieving right now. And every time you're grieving may be different. Just kind of allowing your, your weirdness, your whateverness that you need to do. Like some, I remember grieving before and I had to, I had to tidy up the cabinet because I just wanted it to look really nice. Does that make any sense? Yeah, because it's the, it's the, I needed to do it. something you could control. It was something I could control. So somebody said to my husband, Oh, tell Yvonne, she doesn't have to clean. And she said, Oh no, do not mess with her cleaning. That's her like grief cleaning. <laughs> yeah. It's something I can control. Yeah. I yeah. also created a self-care toolbox for myself and I like, to, to help me, first of all, to remind me to take good care of myself because that is our greatest gift to the world, right? A healthy, happy, well-prepared for life, grief, and everything in between person. So I have my self-care toolbox as reminders and there's beautiful letters from chemo patients in there, things my children have, have made for me over the years and they just help me through my grief, through, you know, to, to just nurture me and one of the most important things I have in there is a branch and a duck, a little stuffed stuffed toy duck to remind me to go outside, right? Because I remind, so I share seven takeaways and people can go on my website and they can get the seven takeaways. I believe those are the essential principles to live life to the fullest, to learn to grieve and support one another and have the talk. So takeaway number six is find your post. Your post is something you can turn to that can be there for you no matter what, no matter when. So for some people, that's a re their religion, mm -hmm. a spirituality, yoga, art, music, meditation. And for me, it's nature. Yeah. For men, a lot of men, it's like uh, going out, working on the car, fishing or something you can turn to. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yes. Yeah, so when I go out in nature, I feel like I'm like mother nature. Oh, I hear the birds singing and I look at the trees and I touch the trees. I am a tree hugger. Like I will hug a tree. And when I'm out in nature, I feel connected to something big and beautiful. And it's just life all around me right. and death. Right. In that. Right. You look over here. Mm -hmm. Here's a beautiful tree. You look over here. Here's a, a tree on the ground. And it reminds me that change is the only constant 
and whatever I'm going through, my excruciating pain will also change. It is temporary. Hold on. Hold on. Actually, you know what? When I was writing my book, my nine-year-old daughter, Jaden, came up to me and she said, Mom, here's, I found this. Does this make sense for your book? And I ended up writing it in, in the book. Um, it said, it, H-O-P-E, an acronym, uh, acronym, hold on, pain ends. Yes. Yes. And I went, Aiden, you've got it. Absolutely. Nine years old. She got it. Yeah. Uh, you know, she, got she, it. Has good, she has a good teacher. So many things just by having these conversations can prevent other kinds of suffering. After reading your book, I had the conversation with my son, uh, with my husband. And I said, you know, our son after we lost Brandon, we became a family of three and that's how we stayed. Yeah. Um, and I thought it is going to be hard enough as an only child for him to grieve the loss of his parents. Mm. I want to do as much of the paperwork and make as much of the preparation as possible so that that is all he has to worry about is getting through the grief of the loss of one of his parents. I don't want to saddle him with all the responsibilities of what to do. Did he make the right decision? Did he honor our wishes? Did he this, did he that? Um, I think that by even doing that, you can help others prevent suffering down the road. Having this conversation with your parents, even though it seems like, you know, and there might be some pushback of, oh, wow, are you trying to get rid of me already? And it's not that at all. It's that I'm going to be so devastated when you do leave that I want to make sure that I am honoring absolutely everything that, that you wanted. And I'm able to, to do this so that I can spend the time that I need to missing you instead of being angry because yeah. I don't know the answers. It's so important. And here's, see the elephant in the room, Sherry, we're going to talk about the elephant in the room for a minute, because here's the, my greatest message to everyone. Everything you, you are saying is so important. And it is also important. I believe that everyone should do an end of life plan at age 18 when they become an adult. So our children also need to do them. Mm -hmm. Right. Imagine being a parent and going through that again. Right. So, so I'm working on that with our 27 year old. He's a registered organ donor. We're working on getting an advanced care plan because, and, and updating every year because we don't all die of old age and we don't all get a warning. And imagine the parents whose, whose adult children have died, the excruciating pain that is already, wouldn't it be wise to have all of the rest of the stuff in place? Absolutely. Absolutely. I want to end um, talking about one more subject. Yes. Because um, <laughs> it's so pertinent and it goes along with graduating grief, which is, you know, what this podcast is all about. Mm -hmm. I love okay, that. In your book on page 63, the best thing we can do is to structure our lives in such a way that we can live without each other. That's where people get stuck. We believe that we cannot live without this other person with, even if it's our child or if it's our spouse or if it's our career 
or if it's our breasts because we lost, you know, we have to structure our lives in a way that we know we're going to be okay and we can still live a good life, even losing those things we love most. Oh my goodness. That is just, it's so important is like when you think of that and, and the, the perfect example, and everyone can relate to this. I say, you know, the couple have been married for decades and decades and the wife dies and the husband's never made a sandwich, <laughs> right? So now not only is he hungry, he's grieving or the same couple um, and the husband dies, the wife dies, the husband's never made a sandwich. The husband dies, the wife's never paid a bill right? Why do we do that to one another? Why do we do that to one another? So yes, you're absolutely right. If we can talk about plan and prepare before grief arrives, if we know, you know, I, the whole, you complete me. No, I complete me. I complete me. Everyone in my life is a beautiful, wonderful bonus. And I'm just in so in love with the people in my life. And I know that someday I will grieve them or they will grieve me. And, and we don't know in which order that is. And again, we don't have to like it, but if we can accept that and prepare for that, you know, and, and it's interesting because the hardest times in our life prepares for that. And I now am grateful to Tyler, our older son, for everything that he put me through. <laughs> but is there, at the time there was no saying thank you, but it changed me. It changed me. I haven't started caring less. I've just started accepting more. And I am grateful every day for the people are, that are in my lives. And I do not hold on to that they will be there forever. And I've heard patients, like chemotherapy patients, promising their kids that they weren't going to die, that they were going to be okay. And I'm thinking, oh, wow, this could be such a different conversation. The conversation could be, I'm going to do everything I can. And you know, if, if, if this is not, if this is my time, if I die, you will be okay. And I will be with you forever and cry and, and have those hard conversations, not the sweep it under the carpet. And you just have a lumpy carpet <laughs> and, and not real connection. Real connection is what these conversations can create raw, authentic, vulnerable, hard, great joy, grief, all of it. Have the conversation before grief arrives. All of it is part of life. The book is called Love Your Life to Death. Yvonne, thank you so much for spending time with us today. Thank you so much, Sherry. And as always, people are welcome to reach out. There's lots of resources on my website, loveyourlifetodeath.com. I will just show up for you anytime. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the Graduating Grief Podcast. For more information on the Graduating Grief community, workshops, and retreats, go to www.sherrydunlevy.com. If you like this podcast, please subscribe, rate, review, and share.